Um, King David um, is my favorite person in Scripture. Uh, as you grow in the Bible, you tend to fall in love with certain men and women of Scripture. And for me, second to Jesus is King David. Love King David. And uh, you can find this story in 1 Samuel, and it goes through 2 Samuel. Uh, I think you can find some of King David in Chronicles as well. Um, and just, just, just an amazing man. Everything King David did was great. It was great. Even, even when he fell, it was, it was a great fall. And so he, he went 100% in um, on everything. Um, very anointed king, very anointed man of God. Um, so th- this is the deal. Context before we get into scripture. Israel had chosen um, to be like their neighbors, the neighboring nations. Um, God wanted to continue to lead them through spiritual leadership. Um, but as with anything that is uh, built through man, it is imperfect. And it, there will be some cracks and there will be some hurt and some pain and things will happen. But it's how God chooses to work. You know, it's, it's a faith thing. And so um, God uh, allowed Israel to choose a king and they chose King Saul. He prophesied to them and he told them that it wasn't going to go well. But because you want a king, I'll allow you to have a king. And, and um, King Saul was chosen. And um, King Saul stuck out. He, he, he looked the part. He was tall. And, you know, he, he, he looked like everyone, you know, everyone wanted him to look. And so, uh, but God told the prophet Samuel, he said, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And, um, and he said, so you're going to choose this king. It won't go well for you. And then I'm going to have my turn and I'll choose a king. I'll choose a leader for you. And so um, over the course of time, King Saul, in fact, uh, in fact, he uh, disobeys God and he does his own thing. And the Bible says that God removed his spirit off of King Saul. And once God removed his spirit, King Saul was oppressed by a spirit of depression. Um, There's only really two options in this life. It's either you're filled with the spirit of God or you're not. And I, I think a lot of things we try to do, we, we try to do in an attempt to stay happy. But many of us have gone down that road and we know it's not possible to always be happy. And the only other option then is depression. And so um, the spirit of God left Saul and God says, I found someone else, Samuel. Samuel was the, the spiritual leader of the day. And so he would anoint and ordain and appoint those kings and the Bible says that Samuel wept. He mourned because I think there was some personal attachment. This was the first king he had ever anointed, King Saul. But God was moving on. And that speaks of how sometimes we're holding on to people that are bringing us down. And, and God is ready to move on. As a matter of fact, as you open up this particular chapter, it starts with how Samuel was mourning for Saul. But God said, you've been weeping long enough. It's time to get up and get moving. And so he said, fill your flask with oil. The oil represents what? The spirit of God. One person's been listening all series. Um, That's great. I'm doing a great job. Um, I don't want to quit. I promise I won't fall into depression. All right. After this message. Okay. Let me stop. Thanks. And so I'm just joking, trying to wake you guys up. And so um, he goes and he goes to Jesse's house and Jesse lines up his seven oldest sons. And so we're going to pick it up in the scripture here. First Samuel, we're going to go to first Samuel 16 
and uh, we'll pick it up. Let's see how well. I, wow, that's great. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11 says this here. Then Samuel asked, are all are these all the sons you have? He says this. They're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. I love that. That's that's it's very key right there that. Um, Whenever God is ready to elevate you, may he find you serving. Um, Don't ask God for influence if you're not serving, bringing a good attitude to work. He's, uh, you know, they're having the anointing or at least they're trying to have the anointing ceremony. But David is has not been invited. He's just being excellent where he is, being faithful in the little. He's been doing it for a long time, being faithful where he is, not trying to be found. Not kicking the door down, not trying to force his way in, just he's faithful, you know, just, 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 just vital. It says this here, send for him at once, Samuel said. I love this. Watch the respect. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on David's name. Hashtag Birdman. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. That's respect, man. We got to wait to sit down to eat until baby bro gets there. He, that's your, you saw his diaper change. You saw him trip. You saw you, you had to help him watch, wash off that first scab or scratch or cut he had. You, you had to tell him to stop whining because he's a baby and he spoiled him. We got to wait on him. That's how I read the Bible. I think of all of it. Online. Stuff is good. Says this here. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Someone say anoint. Anoint. Anoint, Says this here. So as David stood there among his brothers. I want to encourage you. Your day will come. Hang in there. Don't don't try to force it. Don't try to create your day. Serve the Lord. Your day will. They'll see it. You ain't got to make them see it. You ain't got to do crazy things on social media. It's just your day will come where everyone will notice, man, the hand of God is on that person. Oh, man, this is this is beautiful. I just want to stay. That's how I said. I just stay there sometimes. I just your day will come. Your day will come. I'm believing for some greater days. So this encourages me too. like my, my day will come. My day will come. And it says this here. And it says, Samuel took the flask of olive oil, which represents the spirit of God. And uh, he had brought an anointed, someone say anointed, anointed, anointed David with the oil. And here it is. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Anointed. The word anointed, if you're taking notes, means this, to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in week one, we explain who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God. God exists three in one. God the Son, God the, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ. God the Holy Spirit, not a third, a third, and a third. Three in one. Simply put, Joshua, husband, son, father. One person, three functions, all at the same time. You had a fourth one. I'm operating as pastor right now. So one person, three functions. God rests on David. And now... If you're in Christ, God rests in you, in you. So actually, we're more powerful than David. 
And so what's so amazing about King David is King David went from a shepherd boy to Israel's greatest poet, greatest musician, and greatest king. Under David, Israel to this date, to this date, I don't like using the word character or the term character when it comes to Bible because it makes Bible people seem fictional when they were real. They were real. And under King David's leadership, Israel had the greatest landmass it has had even up to present date. So they went from this little, little nation whom God was restarting through 600 men and women because King Saul had went crazy to this big nation under this man's anointing. And everything he did was great. So David was anointed in that moment. But if you read more of David's story, once you go home this week, you'll see that God didn't do everything for David. There was a a growth process. And you see where David was intentional about growing in every area of his life. He didn't just say, Lord Jesus, I make you my savior. Amen. And he didn't go back to the life he lived before that. There was intentionality in his growth. Because he understood that God isn't going to do it all, all for me. And so two key thoughts right now. Okay, go ahead and write this down. When you're anointed, you are number one, never stuck. Lord Jesus, I thought nine o'clock was tough. Uh, man, I would have did a black backflip 15 years ago. My pastor said that. Oh, praise Jesus. Y'all just in there. I know someone online backflipping. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Online, show me love. I know you really can't, but do, do something back there. Because a lot of people came to church and they feel stuck, but you're anointed. So you're never stuck. You're never stuck. I had to tell someone that recently. Got into a little debacle. I won't tell you who it was. But at the end of the conversation, right before we hung up, I said, man, I'm not stuck. And I hung up. It's a very important person, too. You just got to remind people they're not God in your life. You got to remind your circumstances it's not God in your life. And sometimes y'all ain't y'all ain't happy enough in here. Man, this is tough, man. You're never stuck when you're anointed. You're never stuck. And if God took everyone out of your life, he'd start over. And, and that's, that's what God was doing with Saul. He was removing Saul. The nation was like, no, we love Saul. God's like, Saul's killing you. <laughs> and if he continues to kill you, there'll be no Jesus. Because this is the nation that the Savior of the world is coming through. I must remove Saul. <laughs> Number two, and this is the other thing when you're anointed. Understand this, that growth is always the answer. You, you, you can write any problem you, you're facing currently right now in your life. Growth is always the answer. It is always the answer. So, so I, want, I want to encourage you with this. It's in your faith. I've come to discover that it's my responsibility to grow in the anointing. It's not God's. He's already given me everything. I have a roof. 
I have food. We have clothes. We have we have a, a we got a building. We got the word of God, the Bible, as long as it's legal in this Jesus Christ, the word of God. Now it's on me to grow in the anointing. So today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about growing in the anointing, growing in the infilling and the empowerment of the spirit of God. And I want to give you real quick in 22 minutes, four ways to grow in the anointing. Very practical. And uh, number one, we'll start out the gate. Here it is. Live with conviction. Oof. Don't we need it? Boy, every time we turn on the news, it's a mess. Every time we get online, it's a mess. You open that app, it's a mess. You go in that magnifying glass, it's a mess. It's a mess. We need some conviction in society. And um, I, I mean, watching TV sometimes, I'm like, and then they'll, they'll so... You know, you'll have certain people like, what do you believe in? And pe- people who, who, who are making the mess out there, most of them will say, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm like, what? And you begin to ask, like, where is God? Like, where? not like where is God? We know God is everywhere. But like, th- my question has become is, where is God in people? Right? It, it, it's almost like we're having these conversations about very important things. And it's like, this is what I think. This is what I think. This is what I think. Here's my stupid thought. Here's my dumb thought. And it's like, God's like, um, can I get a little word in? Because actually, I created it all. I created you. I created it. I created the clothes. I gave you the breath. I gave you the mind. Can I, can I get a little word in? And we're having all these discussions, and it's like, God, hold on. We don't want to know what you have to say about this. Because we're, we're too stuck on worshiping our preference. But the problem is, is they got a different preference. And they have a different preference. And they got a different preference. So you know what the devil is doing? Having us kill each other. Instead of living by conviction and we we got to get we got to get back to conviction there's something about conviction that 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 is a it strengthens your anointing it it, it, that obedience factor is is very vital let's go ahead and define conviction let's make it simple when God says no so that we grow that's conviction When, when you're going about your day and the Lord says don't do that Condemnation pushes you away from God. It says, you, 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 bad, bad, you, get out. God hates you. You shouldn't have done that. No, conviction says, that's an area of your life right there that doesn't align with my will. So I need to, number one, highlight this because I want to I work on it. I want to sanctify it. I want to purify it. And I want to push your life forward. So the reason I'm, I'm saying no or I'm highlighting it is because that thing right there, that attitude, that mindset, that tongue, that thing right there is what's hindering you. So it's, it's conviction. And we need it in the little things, like the, the picking up the trash, the, the going out and cutting the yard and the taking out the trash, the washing the dishes. We need it in the little things. 
And we need it in the, in the big black and white things as well. We, we have to, we got to get back. And, and so when you, when you, and some people say it's a voice or it's this or it's my conscience. It's not. Your conscience, your conscience is not that pure. The Bible says I was conceived in sin. So there's nothing good about us. It's the Holy Spirit telling you, wait. Right. Sometimes y'all want to send an email or a text. It's like, I'm going to let them. I'm going to let them have it. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is going to say. Go ahead and type it up. Highlight it. And erase it. You got it out. You got it out. The flesh will say, send. But the flesh never tells you the repercussions of sleeping with them. Or, or sending that email. Or telling that lie. The flesh doesn't tell you. But the spirit is trying to guard you from something. And um, so, so here's the deal. Don't push against conviction. Lean into it. When, when God starts to tell you something about certain people, he's at the beginning process of unraveling that relationship. And he's operating through the, the gift of discernment. He's trying to show you truth in their life versus falsehood because he knows the future. He is also the spirit of prophecy. If you stay connected, this is what's going to happen. But so let me unravel it now so you begin to create a distance. Lean into that conviction because he's trying to save you from something. And how do you strengthen your convictions? Go ahead and write this down. It won't come up on the screen. Valuing God's word is the most effective way to strengthen our convictions. Valuing God's word is the most effective way to strengthen our convictions. Can't wait to do fresh off the press where we study historically how the Bible came to be the Bible and why it is the only written word of God in the world. And when, when you value it, when, when your heart is open to it, you, you go to it and, and, and it's kind of like reading this thing when your heart is in the right place and you approach it as it is the word of God, it becomes a mirror. And you read it and you're like, man, that's me. Wow. I didn't know God knew me so well. Right? You don't read it as a window like, oh, yeah, look at Tracy. Look at Trevor. Look at. No, no. You're like, man, that's, that's me. Because it says in Hebrews that it says the Bible, the word of God is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it discerns the thoughts. It discerns, the scripture discerns what you're thinking. And it illuminates areas of your life that God is like, I want to deal with that. And then Paul writes to Timothy. He says that the, the scripture is God breathed, meaning that as prophets and scribes were inspired by the spirit of God, they would write. And it says that it's God breathed, Paul says. And, and he also says that it is useful for our correction and our rebuke. It, it, it gets us right, preparing us and equipping us for every good work that the Lord has for us. 
Good leads to good. You do know that. So if I'm going in the wrong direction in my thinking and in my living and in my speaking and in my habits, and I read the word of God and it says to turn this way, I actually want that. I don't want to buck that. Because if, I'm, if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. Man can say it's right all man wants to. But if God says it's wrong, it is wrong. And it will always lead to death. But the Spirit of God will always lead you to life and growth and wisdom and blessing and prosperity and influence. So I don't want to come to the Word of God saying, uh, nay. Like, I don't want to, I don't want the word of God to align with how I feel. I want to align with what the word of God says. It is the safest, most blessed place. I need it. I need it. It says this here, Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I put that thing right here. So what does that mean? Valuing the word of God is, is how you strengthen your convictions. I was telling a group of men on Tuesday, had a, this guy had a great question. Um, that when, when I came to Christ, um, th- 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 this is what I built my life on. I still do to this day. Oh, my God. And it just works. I stand on the word of God. Not on the opinions of men. Not on stupid politicians and the word of God. And, and so he asked me, he said, um, you, you often talked about dating this uh, young lady when you came to Christ. Um, how, how did you break off that relationship? I said, well, the word of God speaks of one man and one woman being married. And the blessing of God is on marriage. The favor of God is on marriage. Scientifically, um, married people have better sex. They die wealthier if you're doing it the right way, right? All these scientifically, the science supports God's way of, of fulfillment in the context of marriage. I said, I no longer want it to be a playboy. I no longer want it to live in my brokenness. So the word of God said purity. So what did I do? I said, unless you come to Christ, in which I can't force you to, we can't do this anymore. So the first thing I did is I set a curfew. It got real weird for her. It's like, number one, if my roommates aren't home, you can't come in. Number two, when they are, the door is wide open if you're in my room. Number three, you got to go home by 9 p.m. Why? The word of God was saying, bro, you've been going wrong all your life. I'm trying to get you blessed. Y'all don't want this. Y'all don't want this. So I've hidden your word in my heart. Now, if you read that wrong, you, what you, you should, if you're reading it wrong, this is how you should read it. I've hidden your word in my pump. Your heart's a pump. Okay. All right. Nine didn't catch that either. I'm trying. I promise I won't fall into insecurity when I get home. I need some strength, Holy Spirit, that I might not sin against you. 
So I've hidden your word in my heart. Now, in the Hebrew, the word heart means soul. It's the center of someone's existence. And the soul is composed of three things. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So I've hidden your word in the center of how I think, what I want, and how I feel. You determine that. God determines that. Not me. That I might not sin against you. The word sin is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. So I've hidden your word so that every day of my life, I'm standing step with what you want, with what you say. I don't want to miss it. We need to live with conviction. We have to. When no one's watching, God's watching, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you go do that. You're going to stare at her as she walks by? He's trying to grow your anointing because disobedience undermines your anointing. Number two, I want to encourage you, seek wise counsel. Y'all okay? All right. Two things that will really help you in life and, and has safeguarded me and has kept me humble. Number one, I don't know it all. And others have gone before me. I have a mentor in, in, in his, in his middle, mid-50s, and he, he's still, I don't know it all. Others have gone before me. 70-year-olds are still pouring into him. 80-year-olds are still, are still pouring into him. And it keeps you humble. It, it keeps you where you need to be. Humility is a safe place. We, we need counsel. So, so simply what I'm saying is, church, is there, there's a call that you need to make. Go and write this down. There's a text that you need to send. Someone, Sam, you're catching this. There is a meeting you need to schedule. There are questions you need to be asking. And for some of y'all, y'all have done all that. There is counsel. Here it is that you need to apply. You've spent the money. You've went to the sessions. You've talked to the pastor. You had your therapist, but you still haven't applied. The reward is in the application. And, and David had this habit of seeking counsel. I mean, he was God's dude. Read his story. He was God's. God said, I found a man after my own heart. As a matter of fact, the name David means beloved of God. God loved David so much. And so what David often did when he was leading uh, uh, Israel in battle, he would go to God and he would say, should we attack? God would say yes. He'd be like, should we attack? God would say yes. He'd be like, Should we attack? God will say, yes, attack. I'm going to give you the victory. But what was David doing? He was seeking counsel. He was running it by other people. He didn't want to go off of his emotions. He didn't want to go off of the way he thought. He didn't want to go off of his, you know, his preference. He didn't want to go off of his, his race. He he didn't want to go. He he, he didn't, he just, he, he always wanted to run it by God and people he knew would give him godly counsel. Because the opinions of man will do nothing for you. Seek counsel. Safeguard the anointing. It's the great deposit of God that lives on the inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. I just can't get advice from anybody. I just can't let anybody read my palm. I, I can't just say I'm, you know, stars and dates and... Uh, no, 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 no. 
We don't need dark powers. We need the power of God, the wisdom of God, the counsel of God. We need the stuff of God. I don't know what to say to half of half of people that be coming to me. Oh, when your birthday, April 4th. Oh, you're Aries. I'm like, no, I'm a Christian. Sagittarius, all that junk crazy. Man, God sent the right one, though, didn't he? I'm here. Man, because where we're going, man, is scary. Paul, Paul calls it doctrines of demons. And, and Jesus said that there's the broad way to destruction. That means there's a lot of different ways to mess your life up. He said there's the narrow road to life. There's only one way. And his name is Christ. So you need to wash all them old traditions off of you, them old demonic spirits, all that crap that grandma and grandpa and auntie and uncle used to do. If it was not rooted in Jesus Christ, you need to rebuke it. You need to send it. You get that junk off of you. You need to uproot them spiritually. Lord, if there's anything that was prayed over me, spells, anything, Lord, we bind them in Jesus' name. And you, you need to move in the anointing of God. Oh, I'm about to fire something up here in a minute. You need to move in the anointing of God. Honestly, the reason why a lot of you battle with things that you can't break is because it did not start with you. But it, it's been resident in your family for eons. And it's when you were born, it jumped and it jumps and it jumps. And unless you sever it in Christ, it's going to jump onto your grandchildren. It's going to try to jump. People always say, God got a plan for my life. Yeah, so does the devil. And, 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 he, and he starts when we're not anointed. But when you're anointed, everything, you center everything on Jesus everything. He breaks the yoke. He, he breaks the addiction. He breaks the drugs. He breaks the alcohol. He breaks the sleeping around. He, bre he breaks it all. Come on, church. He breaks. He breaks. He breaks. And he sets free. And he starts over. And he gives you a new beginning. He breaks it. He breaks it. David sought advice. It says, Absalom followed this guy's advice, go ahead and put it up, Second Samuel, just as David had done, Absalom is David's son, and so just as David had done, for every word that this individual spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. So David had a rhythm of seeking counsel. He, he didn't want to get it, get, it, get it wrong. Here it is, go and write this down. Someone has guidance for the hurdles you're currently facing. Don't face them alone. Get that guidance. Get that guidance. Number three, establish good habits. Establish good habits. A habit is, going to write this down, a fixed way of thinking and acting, usually rooted in the subconscious. Subconscious. 
So you, you just, you, we do it. We do it. And, and we got to evaluate our habits. We'll come to church. I feel good. I'm ready to go. I'm anointed. Praise God. I'm breaking everything in Jesus' name like Pastor Sandy. Jesus and Jesus. Jesus. I'm breaking it all. And y'all. But why am I so tired? Because after all that, you ain't have no energy. Because your habits. <laughs> Ask yourself this. Do my habits support the anointing? Do my habits support the anointing? It's very practical. Because unhealthy physical habits will weaken the anointing. I, I love it. Um, so, so Saul had this depressive spirit. Saul's servant said, we need to find you a musician who when they play, the spirit will depart and you'll feel better. Right. And so David's name got into the palace. That's another thing about the anointing. You don't have to like do do too much. The anointing draws the favor of God and your name will be in places it's not supposed to be in when you walk in the anointing, when you live by conviction God will put you in places you're not supposed to be. And so they, they said, um, Jesse, one of, one of Jesse's sons, let's pick it up here, um, 1 Samuel 16, 18. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. This lets us know right here that David had good habits. He's talented. That means that he practices. He studies. He's on top of his game. The Bible says he's, a, he's, he's brave, so he's bold. God has put him through some things. He's bold. The, the Bible says that he's a man of war, means he's trained, he's educated. Right? Good, good, good habits. It also says that he's fine looking. This means he works out. He's healthy. And the Lord is with him. D David, David had good habits. Good habits, guys. It's not that you're not anointed. Let, let, please, let me help you. It is not that you don't have God in you. It is not that you can't do it. Go back. What are your habits? What, what do you speak when challenges come your way? What time do you wake up in the morning? What time do you go to bed? What are you doing before bed? How much time do you have between work and waking up? It is not that you're not anointed. It's the habits. Let me give you a tip real quick. Write this down. Here it is. I've come to find this out. Win the night, win the day. Win the night. Come on, mama. Win the day. You learn, learn to, we need to repent of what we're doing at nighttime. That's first step. Evaluate your nights. Man, I'm, wow, I'm on social media two hours. Then I, then I eat late and heavy because I'm stressed and I'm stress eating. Then I wake up late. I got to be to work at eight, but I wake up at 730 and I'm pissed at the boss because I'm late. Okay, I'll say. Win the night. This is what I'm trying to help you do. 
dedicate your night to the Lord. I'm not saying pray. I'm not, you can't, I'm not saying read the Bible. What I'm saying is sanctify your night, make it a holy space. So this is the deal. Uh, um, at night, write this down, settle and rest. I'm going to take an extra five or six minutes. Y'all okay. All right. I want to encourage you settle and rest. Meaning one to two hours before the lights are out, put all the electronics away. It's time to start changing your habits because you want big things and God has promised them to you. But it's our lifestyle. It's watch. It's normally it's not the challenge. It's the lifestyle. It's not the trial. It's the lifestyle. So, so something that we do is we, we, we're starting to put our devices in another room on the charger and, and, and from 8 to 10 p.m., it's all physical, be it a book or the Bible. And, and we'll put a little uh, jazz or something on our radio. And, and, and we just allow that to be a natural settling. Put on some tea. And, and then when you go to bed, this, this is if, you know, maybe you're, you're not a night owl. But when you go to bed, you automatically wake up earlier, which is actually a common thread of a lot of Bible greats. All of them woke up before the sun. Everyone that you read about that's anointed beat the sun up. There's something there. And there's a reason why the enemy is trying to keep you distracted at nighttime. Because he knows if you win your night, you'll win your day. This is what I want you to do in the morning. I want you to move and establish So two to three hours before you depart, you need to start moving and establishing your day. I was reading an article from um, Harvard Business Review. Love this stuff. You ought to be studying this stuff, okay? Um, CEOs versus the typical worker. And everyone's not called to be a CEO, but everyone is called to be great. You're anointed. (laughs) This blew my mind. Jesus, this blew my mind. 80% of CEOs wake up before 6 a.m. They would have already exercised, read, checked emails, showered, and ate breakfast. Then they said this. In 2020, the average income of a CEO was 351 times that of a typical worker. David had a CEO anointing on him. He was the king of a nation. Joshua, Jesus, is the king of the world. But his habits were on point. Good habits strengthen the anointing. It's more practical than it is spiritual. You already got Jesus in your heart. But what are you doing every day to cultivate the supernatural in your life? And my dad used to say, son, when we used to play, come on, close me out, Jason. When we used to play basketball, he said, son, don't be afraid of them. They put on their pants just like you. So it's not that these people are smarter or more talented. 
they have better, better habits. And I tell you if, you, if you begin to change your habits, depression will lift. You'll feel lighter. You'll, you'll feel better. Your, your mind will be there more. You'll, you'll, you'll feel more confident. You'll start to look in the mirror and see the progress in your life. The anointing will begin to shine through you. So, so it's not a matter of where is God? Where is God? God is allowing challenges to, to mature you and, and to grow you. The question is, is how am I stewarding my life as I'm under the weight of the challenges? Because if I steward my life, I can hold up under it. We just need to stop blaming God for our irresponsibility. I hear you, Lord. I, I'm your mouthpiece today. I know you love them, but we, he said, tell them I love them, but they have a responsibility. And I'll continue to give you the grace for your growth, but you got to choose to grow. You, you have to study. I'll give you the mind. The Bible says about Daniel, who was anointed by the spirit of God, that, that, that as, as they, as Daniel lived with conviction, guys, because Nebuchadnezzar was trying to, Babylon was trying to give them meats and wine and stuff. Daniel said, we just want water and vegetable. We don't want those unlawful foods. The Bible says that after that season of obedience, that God gave them all manner of learning. So you got the spirit, but are you making the decisions that enable the spirit to really God in you, God through you. The world needs to see more of this. A couple people, Joshua and Jesus. Joshua got up early the next morning. It's a habit. Someone say habit. Jesus Christ. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Anointed. Someone say anointed. <sighs> Them habits. And ain't nobody got to know you doing your thing. Just do your thing. You ain't got to. I don't care if you was up at five o'clock. Just get up. Want to see your sweat? I'm on one today, man. I'm tripping. Come on, church. If this is good, put your hands together. last one I gotta hurry this one up develop a rewards mentality last one develop a rewards mentality not a victim's mentality a rewards mentality this was David all day okay so Goliath was defying and stopping the the children of God the Old Testament church for 40 days because they were afraid and so David shows up serving as usual with cheese and bread. And, and he hears Goliath speaking insults and all this. And, and it, it says this, uh, verse 24, 1 Samuel 17. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Talking about Goliath. Have you seen the giant? He comes out each day to defy Israel. Here it is. The king has offered a huge Reward. Now think of King Jesus, not King Saul. Think of King Jesus. The king, someone say king, has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. 
It says this, I will give that man uh, uh, one of his daughters. Uh, he will give the man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. Watch David. Watch the anointing kick in. <laughs> a rewards mentality. Go ahead and put it up. David asked the soldier standing nearby, um, what will the man get? Because y'all worried about the problem. I'm worried about killing this joker and overcoming the problem. Y'all worried about the wrong thing. I want to grow. I want to overcome it. It's mentality. Here it is. He says this here. Uh, what am I? What am I? Okay. What will the man get for killing his Philistine in his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. It's a different mentality. You all are sitting under the same message. One of you are going to take it and respond differently. The other one's going to take this message and kill it for the rest of your life. There are two peoples in this, two different types. Victim mentality and reward mentality. Some people see a challenge. Yeah. Because the last one I overcame, this is where it led me. So, so th think about this. There's always a reward on the other side of great challenges. I promise you guys, write that down. There's always a reward on the other side of great challenges. Sometimes it's wisdom, sometimes it's monetary, sometimes it's a new relationship, a miracle. Uh, this is the greatest one of all, a revelation of God's glory. You, you, you learned about God in a different way, a promotion. You got to live. What is the reward for overcoming this struggle? What are the rewards of you giving up the bottle for the next year? Mental, spiritual, and physical. What are, what are the rewards of you breaking out of that relationship and waiting on God? Living in purity for, for five for five or ten years and, and at the end of it saying, wow, God, God bringing that person into your life and you're, you're the one I've been dreaming about and praying for. It's a rewards mentality, not a God is keeping something from me. No, it's God will bring that person. God will bring the promotion. My day will come. It's a rewards mentality. He's faithful and he's good like that.